right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck, and along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi, we are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and we are here with another off-season podcast. Uh, we were thinking of doing themes uh, leading up to the clash in the Daytona 500, but then it was a pretty busy news week, at least for Jordan here, who broke uh, two stories this week. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, I was on jury duty for most of the week on a case that was not very fun um, on a trial uh, dealing with sexual assault. So that was my week while Jordan was holding down the fort and breaking all sorts of news. Jordan, uh, big week for you. Big week. Yeah, I feel bad. I mean, that's a... Uh, we had two different weeks, let's just say, very different weeks. Uh, and I feel bad that you had to go through what you went through. That can't be fun. Can't imagine having to go through that process. Um, but on the motorsport side, the, the toy department side, if you will, uh, yeah, busy week. I mean, I don't think – I mean, honestly, the, the stuff that came, the 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 biggest shocking thing was the, the Kyle Larson Indy 500 thing that seemed to kind of come out of nowhere a little bit, uh, which was I- incredible to – to kind of put together and that Rick Hendricks is going to be involved as well. And it, you know, from based on what Kyle said uh, the other day, this doesn't, he doesn't give the impression that this is necessarily a one-off that this could be the first of a, a, a multiple attempts. So, you know, we'll obviously get into all that, but yeah, very busy week, lots to discuss and it's going to be, uh, I think at Daytona looking at it is going to be very interesting. A lot of different storylines. So let's talk about the first story uh, that you dropped this week, um, which was, Kevin Harvick uh, retiring from full-time racing at the end of this season. Uh, A lot of people thought, well, you just saw the patch on his shirt uh, from Reddit or whatever that was the forever thing. And boy, did that annoy you because you had had this, you've been chasing this for uh, a few days or longer before that. And yeah, and and you, uh, and then everybody said, oh, you just knew it because of Reddit. No, no, no. I think I like that. God bless people at Reddit, like, I, and I love them. But I saw that get put out there, and I'm like, and I said that you, you and I were like messaging. I'm like, no, no, don't put that out there. Don't, don't, don't let people know what's going on. Or not. We'll, we'll <laughs> you, let, you were so close. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Oh, man. No, we've had this story written for a while. Like, it's it's been ready to go. So this was. Yeah, but again, I mean, in all seriousness, like, this wasn't a surprise, right? I mean, I mean, I know we know what Kevin said back in, in December in Nashville and he was going to have a decision by Daytona. So you, you knew one way or another this was coming. You go back even further, you know, team owner Gene Haas made comments to the Associated Press and, and to Fox Sports that indicated that Harvard really wasn't interested in the contract extension past 23. And, and you talk to people, you, just, you, you read the tea leaves. I don't think anybody was shocked by this decision. And, you know, it's it is what it is. And good for Kevin. I mean, Kevin's accomplished everything you can in this sport. And, you know, it's, for me, I don't think people – I don't think I really realized it, and I don't think a lot of people do as well, is that, like, how great he of a driver he is. You know, just how incredible. This is a guy who's won every major NASCAR race there is. That's something that a lot of Truex, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Keselowski, Logano, a lot of these big names, Matt Kenseth, haven't done. Kevin's done it. And he's won everything there is to win. And I, I wrote about this this week, so I don't need to, to kind of rehash everything. And I, I like to hear your thoughts, Jeff, on, on this. Well, you know, first of all, I think for a while there, I mean, especially as his, his you know, the, the RCR years sort of dragged on, 
you start to think, you know, this guy, boy, he really had some flashes of potential there, but ultimately he's sort of going to fall short of really going down as an all-time great. You know, at that point he hadn't won a championship. Uh, he hadn't won, you know, races in chunks and really been dominant. You know, you'd seen, you'd seen streaks where they would do well. Um, obviously it seemed like, you know, that you just, they just had that, that great chemistry and, and the great connection right away. Once he goes to Seward Haas racing and teams up with Rodney Childers. Um, and it, it just sort of has made this magical partnership, uh, that has been really successful. And, you know, now, um, not to tip our hand too much, but we've been looking at, you know, the, 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 the best drivers in NASCAR history lately for a project we're working on. Right. And when you look at everything and where, where does Harvick stack up? Um, I think no question he's a top 15 driver of all time. And the only debate is whether he cracks that top 10. Um, you know, personally, I, I had made a list recently. I have him at number 11. Um, but right there, I mean, right there with, you know, once you're talking about the, you know, the top 11 drivers in NASCAR history, uh, that's an all time great. You know, I, I think, uh, surely, you know, had, had he been able to win another championship or two, that would have helped. Uh, he does have those 60 career cup wins and a lot of big wins, like you mentioned. Um, so, you know, his legacy is going to be a guy who, you know, came in in, in really tough circumstances, obviously, um, had plenty of missteps in the public eye, you know, or, or sort of brash, uh, rough around the edges type mentality. Um, you know, there were some great moments. There were some not so great moments. I mean, people I'm sure will say, oh, you know, the Talladega thing with Trevor Bain, stuff like that. But I mean, at the same time, like ultimately he's going to go down as an all time character. I think this, this leadership role that he's taken on in recent years is helping to truly shape this current generation of drivers and this next generation yeah. of drivers. Cause you listen to how many drivers talk about, Oh, Harvick helps me with this. I go talk to Harvick for this. Well, I go, you know, you know, Chase Briscoe, Corey LaJoy, people like that. They, and, and it seems like every driver, um, you know, Oh yeah, I, I've talked to Harvick. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with Harvick. Like we talk a little bit. It seems like he's taken an interest on like sort of shaping and molding the garage a little bit. And, you know, making sure that the next generation is going to have, you know, the right mentality or at least what he perceives to be the right mentality. And so, you know, I think, I think especially in his, his absence, others will step up ultimately, maybe it'll take a few years, but I mean, you, you could see last year, like guys like Chase Elliott and Blaney are looking at what Harvick was doing and going, huh, interesting. You know, we don't, we're not really super outspoken, but we really appreciate how he's going about things. And so when mm -hmm. the time comes for them to be sort of veteran guys, I could see them going, you know what, we're, we're going to, we're going to do that kind of stuff when the time is right to me. I think you make a good point. And it's interesting how, I don't want to say it flipped, but Kevin for a long time was not, he, he was always outspoken and would never be afraid to speak his opinion, but he really wasn't somebody who took on a leadership role. Like that wasn't his thing. And he, and he kind of said that over the years of like, I don't really associate with a lot of drivers, outside of the track. Like I just do my thing. I've got my own interest. I got my family. I, I don't really care. And this year, I think it goes back to last year a little bit. He, he realized that, you know, like I, I need to, I need to kind of leave my impact here. I can have a voice on things. There's, there's a gap here. There's something that's not happening between there's a disconnect between NASCAR 
and the drivers and everything going on, I I feel it's like almost like he was the only one who could fill that role, right? Adequately. And he took it upon himself to do it. And he did it in a great way. And he, you know, he said this multiple times this year, and he most recently said it in December uh, when he spoke, which was like, by doing that, he learned a lot about other drivers and he developed relationships and things that he didn't know. And he's like, man, I, like it just kind of opened up his eyes and his world a little bit to to what was going on. And the conversation I had with Steve Phelps, you know, not too long ago, and I asked Steve what, you know, who who was really the the driver this year that kind of resonated with you most, that conversation. And he, he you know, hesitated. He, he paused for a second and he thought about it. He's like, Kevin Harvick. And he goes, I, I just had a really impactful conversation with Kevin Harvick in the fall, kind of around the Talladega time and everything. And he goes, what Kevin said to me from the kind of the larger viewpoint of what the drivers were feeling kind of resonated with him and kind of helped him. Like, And you wonder who's going to be that voice now. Like, maybe it is going to be a Chase, but it doesn't seem like it because Chase – Chase has spoken up a little bit more this year, but Chase is still has also said like that's not something that interests him. And maybe it is a Blaney. We've seen a little bit from Larson, a little bit. William, I think it's Byron. really Logano. Logano. I, mean, I think Logano too. Logano yeah. for sure. He really wants to step up and be that leader. I mean, all you know. But the thing is, he doesn't have. He does have the you know two championships now, but he doesn't have like the veteran sort of old guy presence where. Uh, he's still in the prime of his career. He's still, you know, considered relatively young. Uh, you know, he's still got a lot of years left. So I think, you know, Truex has never been interested in sort of being no. that, you know, kind of thing. And so that's why I think Harvick, you know, between the Harvick Truex type of the, like the two oldest guys, um, obviously Hamlin has been more outspoken for sure, much more outspoken um, since he became a team owner. And, you know, I think it would be natural for him you know, as he plays out the the remainder of his career to even get more of a platform, more of a voice without Harvick there, you know, just to be like, well, what does Denny think about this? Denny's been around, you know, the longest. Um, and then it depends, you know, how much Kyle Busch wants to do with it. But, um, you know, Keselowski has seemed to be more diplomatic about things. You know, he doesn't really want to be that brash, opinionated he's person tried. that he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, he almost feels like he's scarred almost. Like he's tried it and it didn't work and, He's, he's just not interested memory. in making the controversies, you know. Yeah, um, he's, he's and, at a different point in his life and career now. Yeah, so I, I think it does, um, you know, Logano, um, Hamlin, and it depends how much Kyle Busch, you know, in the final years of his career, once he gets to that point. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Harvick has said, you know, I asked him for the 12 questions last year, the interview we were doing, and, you know, why, you know, what, why was the right time? I was, you know, it, and there was a big part about, like, well, I felt like I had to do it for my peers and stuff, but also like, you know, his given F uh, at this point in his career, <laughs> like he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. Like he'll say whatever he feels, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't, well, I got to navigate this for 10 more years and I'm gonna have to deal yeah. with all these people. He's not like, a team owner. He's not going to be somebody who's around for, you know, dealing with that for however long. Yeah. And he's probably going to go to the broadcast booth and be even have to be given his opinion even more and stuff. So <laughs> Um, might as well get used to giving your opinion, I guess, but, uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think, I, I think that his legacy will go down as, as sort of the, um, you know, maybe like, uh, is it fair to like, is Rusty Wallace a good comparison of like a guy who was really, really good, you know, generational type talent. Um, you know, he's won more big races than Rusty, obviously, but, um, you know, sort of like that figure, like when you look back on, okay, you know, the two thousands, like. Kevin Harvick's going to be one of those prime guys I think of, 
Uh, I don't know what is who would you compare him to from the I past? Don't know. All right, so you bring up Rusty Wallace and, and uh, apologies to our friend Alan Cavana because I always give him a hard time about this, but like Rusty to me is one of the more overrated NASCAR Cup drivers of his career because he's never he won very few big races and a lot of his races came on like a few very few select short tracks. But to your point, like I, I, it's interesting to see like how you define Harvick because it's like he's not the driver of his generation right I mean that that distinction belongs to Jimmy Johnson and but I look at his career and and part of me wonders obviously that you when you look at championships Harvick won one you can make a case he probably should have won a couple more especially in the last few years with SHR since he's been at SHR like they should probably have two or three and it just for you know a lot of different reasons it didn't happen is his career better than Tony Stewart's? Like, I know Tony's got three cup championships, right? But Harvick's got 11 more cup wins, at least. He's got more big race wins than, than Tony does. Like, how do you, you know, what, how do you, how do you divide that? How, or how do you dis- distinguish between that? Now, I have Tony Stewart ahead of Harvick, um, you know, I, on my list anyway. Um, I think three championships is pretty significant compared to one championship, even, even though there are 11 cup wins between them. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you know, that, that's a big, that's a pretty, if it was maybe two championships versus one. Okay. But like Tony Stewart was one of the top drivers of his generation. Um, and, and it feels like, um, he, you know, if he had applied himself more, uh, yeah. he could have won more. Now that's not a fair thing to do in evaluating somebody's career. But when you're looking at but, like pure talent, Tony Stewart was one of the all time talented race car drivers. You make a really good point though. Like I don't think Harvick gets enough credit for doing what he's doing at, for as long as he's done it. Like, I mean, he's 47 years old and he's still competitive. Won two races this past year. I mean, two years ago, you know, he, or three years ago, he had one of the more dominant, you know, seasons in NASCAR history. It's like, He's done. I mean, everybody every year, like, kind of was like, "Oh, Kevin's gonna, you know, Kevin's old. Kevin, this is gonna be the year Kevin falls off a cliff because he's old." Like, he didn't do that. Like, his last ten years with Stuart Haas Racing were his best, and it's it's incredible that he's been able to keep that up for as long as he has. It's it's very Mark Martin esque in that respect. Now, I have a question for you because this is something that I heard on Nate Ryan's um, NASCAR and NBC podcast last year. Um, and the discussion was about Truex. And I, I believe it was Kyle Petty when he was guesting on the podcast. And he said, you know, once, once somebody, and, and really Kyle Petty reiterated this book, which by the way, uh, fantastic book for those of you who have not read Kyle Petty's book, really, really good. Um, not just, it's not just about Kyle Petty, but really about, you know, NASCAR history in general in a way. Um, and, and he just sort of weaves through it. Like he's anyway, I got sidetracked, but good book. It's a good uh, book. Check it yes, out. Read yes, it. Check it out. So Kyle Petty was saying, you know, once somebody, once you have a driver talking about retirement uh, and having retirement on their mind and thinking about retirement, like, I don't know, maybe I'll come back for one more year. Kyle Petty says that person is like done essentially. Like they can't, they can never, uh, they won't have the same level of success because that shows that they're, you like, you have to be the mentality to, to take chances on a racetrack and go hard and stuff. Like it takes like, you, you can't even be thinking about that. And so when he was talking about Truex last year, he was thinking, Hey, you know, it's not good that he was saying, Hey, I almost came, I almost retired or almost made this my last year, but then I'll come back for one more year. So I wonder if like Harvick, because Harvick's comment was, I I wanted to originally do the Carl Edwards thing and do a mic drop and just be like, Hey, I'm done. 
like after this last season. Yeah. So if he was ready to be done and then he thought, well, you know, I'll come back for my sponsors and the fans and do a proper retirement tour, you know, he's a, you know, he has a unique mindset. So, you know, you never know what to get from him, but does that mean that he's not going to have the same edge to go run for a championship this year? I mean, is that going to, I mean, he, he's getting pretty up there now in age. I don't know. What do you think? I think there's some truth in that of like, it starts to creep in your mind a little bit and maybe your focus isn't a hundred, hundred percent on winning in the championship and that you're kind of starting to wonder a little bit about the future and other things. So I, I could see that. And that maybe takes away from your, your performance on the racetrack a little bit. I think there's some truth in that. I, I've learned that you don't doubt Harvick's commitment. <laughs> it seems like he's somebody who's always been all in and, and, and when he's on, and when he's on the racetrack, like that's what he wants to do. And he's very, very, I mean, everybody wants to win and everybody is very um, competitive, but I think his level of competitiveness is a, as a, as a different level than most. So I, I wouldn't completely dismiss him. I think he's going to have a good year, but, is that good year going to be like one of the all, you know, a dominant multi-win season? I think it would be rewarding to, uh, see him make the final four and at least run for the title. Um, <laughs> especially at Phoenix, um, you know, where he's been, he's won nine times and he has the top 10 record streak and all that stuff. Uh, that would be very intriguing with all this uh, <laughs> last race, going for the title at a, at his best track. Um, what do you think his level of, uh, what, what it would say? Give a, give a F would be at, it would be like, just, I mean, he would just, he would care about nothing about turning somebody, bumping somebody. Oh, like, just like that, the mind games too, that he oh, would play that week. That like press conference would be alone. Yeah, would be the, worth exactly. the price of admission. Like NASCAR we, might have like, to bring the back, the all four on stage. I was just going to say NASCAR. If you're listening to this, um, if Kevin Harvick makes it to the championship right now, is like, this is the official petition to put all four drivers on the stage at once and just give them an open mic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> the Kevin Harvick show. That's what it would be. That would be really, really fun. Uh, just to, just to see what would happen, you know. Now, uh, you know, what does SHR do now? You know, they've they've missed out on Kyle Larson. They missed out on Kyle Busch, even though it seems like, you know, had they, I guess in the Larson case, had they gotten permission from Ford. Uh, yeah, that was a Ford deal. Right. And then, you know, the Kyle Busch thing, I don't know if they just couldn't put it together or whatever. Um, but certainly had chances at two great drivers you know, you've, you've moved Ryan Priest up to replace Cole Custer. You've got all Marola on his way out shortly. Um, Chase Briscoe seems like he's going to be a solid guy and be around for a while and, uh, continue to get better. But Harvick is a pretty big name to replace. That's a star, a leader. Um, I, I mean, what do you, who do you go get? Who do you, who's out there? That, that's the problem, right? I mean, if you look at it, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Eric Jones, William Byron, and Logano have all recently signed contract extensions. So they're not going anywhere. Their contracts were all coming up at, at the end of them, but now they're all staying where they're at. Plus Tyler Reddick, who was coming up for free agency, already has been signed away by 2311. He's not going anywhere. Those are all guys who I think we would say like, oh man, if SHR got one of those, like, okay, they're, that's a good solid replacement. You did really good. Like, right. 
in some cases, maybe even made a step up in the, you know, I don't know what you do because if you look at other organizations, look at Hendrick Motorsports right now, you got two champions in Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson, right? I think we agree that William Byron has the potential to kind of enter that and kind of take it to a next level. You look at Joe Gibbs racing, Martin Truex Jr. is still really, really good. Denny Hamlin is still really good. Um, Ty Gibbs has got a ton of upside. And by the way, Christopher Bell may, only made the championship four last year and is is really young. Um, Team Penske's got Logano and, and Blaney. So my, my point is, is you look at all of these big teams, they all kind of have their franchise players, our players to build around. Who does SHR have? Now, I think Briscoe can do great things. But he's still really young. And even if that chase becomes that guy that you think we think he can be, they still need another guy that, that can become that can win races that you know is going to win races every year, that you know is going to be a championship threat. I, I don't see a pathway for them to go who are they going to go get? I, I, I reached out to a lot of people in the industry this week, um, and you're going to see this on the athletic this week about like hypothetically, if you were in charge of SHR, who would you go get? The three names I've heard the most, um, you can probably guess two of them. One is Ross Chastain, whose contract is up with Trackhouse Racing, though I would personally be shocked if Trackhouse let him get away. Um, the second one is Eric Jones, which doesn't surprise me, though Eric is does have years left on his contract with, I guess, Legacy now, which is going to take some getting used to say. <laughs> um, but, you know, as you know, like buyouts can happen and, and that, you know, we'll see. But I will say this, like SHR's had the opportunity to go get Jones and they've passed multiple times. Um, and is that I think Eric would do great things over there and win a lot of races. Um, but there's always the question about sponsorship, stuff like that. Uh, and the third name was a little surprising, but a couple people did mention this was John Hunter Nemechek in that he's got talent. He's somebody who is aggressive, who really wants to prove himself. And if you look at right now, guys that are out there. He's kind of available, and he would be a great stopgap until you can kind of figure out what you want to do long term. You know, it's obviously Chastain is the the biggest name um, among the ones you you mentioned there, and and the thing about Chastain is knowing him and listening to what he says, you know, in interviews and whatever, he is so grateful to. Justin Marks and Trackhouse for even giving, believing him, him believing in him enough to get him to this point. Right? If if SHR's pitch is we're going to give you more money than Trackhouse can give you, say we're going to up this or something, right? Is that what he's? I mean, it's he's still getting probably a lot of money either way. He's going to get a raise either way. So. Is that, you know, to chase the money, like would that, is that enough? I mean, the other thing that they could offer, we're going to give you, you could, you could be like our franchise guy. Well, he already is a franchise guy. He's a franchise guy. Yeah. At an up and coming team, a team on the rise, a team that has a great culture. He's already a great fit there. Mm -hmm. So if you're happy somewhere and you're having success somewhere, assuming that they start the season well and everything's still going well, I don't think that the motivation would be there to leave. I just, that, that would be a very puzzling move to me. Um, I mean, somebody could always have their reasons, but it would just seem odd. Like, why would, why would he do that? So yeah, you're not left with some very big players and, um, you know, at least, you know, marquee names, st superstar names. 
And, you know, I think that could be an issue, honestly, because Mm -hmm. then you get into a position where, okay, Harvick was bringing a lot of sponsorship, right? Like he had built relationships with these sponsors over the years that were really- That's the unknown about all of this too, by the way, is like, we don't know about Bush. We don't know about Hunt Brothers. Like, are they going to stick around and continue to be? If they leave hypothetically, SHR's, you know, kind of their their business is like, they tend to take drivers right now with sponsorship money, right? Exactly. You're going to have to take a money driver. Yeah. If you do that. yeah, like, and or you're gonna have to figure out a way to go get a sponsor, which they may not be able to do, even if you have Tony Stewart on there. And then, then what? I, it's just I'm fascinated to see what they go. I think this is one of the more curious free agent openings we've had in, in some time, where there really isn't like one or two guys you could say, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense," because those guys are all under contract right now. Well, I mean, here's the thing: like, you know, Josh Jones, Harvick's guy. Uh, his manager, uh, KHI, you know, they, they have a client, they have a team uh, of drivers, right? Like who are, who are their clients? And so in theory, you could go to your sponsors and you would say, well, listen, let's, let's, Hey, let's redirect this money that, that you were using for Harvick. You know, you probably don't even need to spend as much cause it's a lower salary driver compared to a star like him. Um, Hey, let's get behind this guy and then we can have a package and go and we can get you the four car. We can do this for you kind of thing. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think they, cause they, you know, you could see KHI over the years have really good relationship with their sponsors and like the sponsors like to stick around with them and they go all across, you know, it's like, oh, okay, we'll do your MMA guy. We'll do your golf mm-hmm. guy. So there's like a, a network there. And in some ways I think that could be SHR almost has to wait and see what KHI comes them with in a way. Right. Like, cause that's a lot of money and, and a lot of, uh, so in, in a way, Harvick and his company, at least, could almost handpick his success. Here's the question for you, though. So the, there's two other, there's three guys in the KHI umbrella right now in Cup. Ryan Priest, who's already under contract SHR. The other two are Harrison Burton and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Riley Herbst, the Xfinity Series driver, is also a KHI guy. Like, any of those guys excite you, though? Like, if you're SHR, like, that that dealt with the needle. Maybe that's a time to sign uh, somebody else and add them to your driver roster. Yeah, you know. I, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's your only path. Like, if you put Senhouse in that car, and Senhouse had conversations with SHR last year about the forty-one, and it didn't materialize, and he just signed a contract extent, multi-year contract extension with JTG. Like, that's not. That's a that's a huge. That's not obviously anybody, not everybody, but a lot of the guys you're going to get are going to be a drop off from Harvick. Senhouse is a pretty big drop off like and there's nothing about Sten- ricky stenhouse's career that says like this is a guy that can go and win races on the regular and be a playoff guy like that's not him well i mean stenhouse is always going to be a guy that pushes it and if he has a great car he could certainly run up front but if he doesn't have a great car a lot of times he you know finds himself making a mistake perhaps and um yeah, I mean you have to you have to be prepared for that, right? Like you have to be like, okay, well if, if we give him good stuff, we've got a shot here to win some races. Um, if not, he might tear up some stuff. So that's gonna, you know, that that's a calculation you have to make. I think this. Sp- yeah. I think he has speed when the speed's there. Um, I don't know that he's the best sort of manager of a car that's not as good, and he's got to make you know do something with it in a long race. Maybe you're the but. president of SHR. Congratulations. Your first day is tomorrow. 
Who are you going to put in that four car? Who are you going after? Um, I think that the answer would be, um, I'm going to try to find my own Chastain type guy. Mm. Um, now I don't know. I mean, you're, if I'm the president of SHR, I have to sell this to Gene Haas and I have to sell them on it and get people excited about it. So this is a different, you know, but I would look at, at someone who I would, you know, I, I would go like kind of comb through and be like, Hey, like who, who takes care of equipment? Who's who, you know, we are somebody we look at and say, if only they had a chance to get in faster stuff, I bet they could prove themselves. Um, you know, there's, there's some diamonds in the rough out there in a sport that is maybe, you know, 80% car, 20% driver. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't have a name off the top of my head, but it would be someone like that where, man, if I if I gave this guy good stuff, I wonder what kind of results I could get. What about Michael McDowell? That's another name that's been kind of floated to is a guy who, if you put him in that car, he is showing that he, he's a very good driver and, and kind of fits the criteria you laid out, Jeff. Uh, maybe a little bit of diamond in the rough where he, he runs well at a variety of tracks, but he's not with a team that where he can consistently show it. And maybe if he was with a team like SHR, he, he could kind of, you know, he could produce at a higher level. Yeah. I just think in the conversation we've kind of been going around, like he's not a star and he's never going to be a superstar. Right. I mean, he's, he just turned 38. Um, you know, SHR has gotten themselves in this situation cause they haven't necessarily like built, uh, with young drivers. Um, cause Cole Custer, at least for now, has been sidelined, um, you know, in the Xfinity series, uh, you know, you're banking a lot on Chase Briscoe. I I would want to get somebody in there who's maybe in their twenties who has a high upside. I mean, I think Michael McDowell, I think, yeah, he could run well and win races for a couple of years. Um, I think he's a very capable driver. I don't discount that at all, but is that going to get people excited enough to not have to get somebody that brings money? I don't know. I don't know. Very interesting conversation. It's going to be fun to, See what happens there in that storyline. Well, another storyline, and we don't have to talk too much about this one, but just, you know, you mentioned the the name change legacy. Petty GMS, uh, at least the cup side, rebranded to Legacy Motor Club. Um, no Petty in the name. And uh, so that's, you know, Jimmy Johnson and Maury Gallagher, I guess, and they're really emphasizing that Richard Petty is just an ambassador now, not co-owner they're not calling him co-owner um kind of thing now that his name's out of it i mean i guess he was never really he was always ambassador right but now it's people always were would still call him oh co-owner i think that's what that was kind of referred to minority owner you know yeah yeah now it's just like he's our he's kind of like associated with our team he's an ambassador but you know he's not he's not one of the owners it's it's how it came across to me. It's an interesting distinction that has kind of been overlooked a little bit in, in all of this is the labeling of Petty, as you said. Like they know they've kind of removed the ownership label from him. It, it seemed that way, I, and I'd have to go back and see how they how he was referred to before. But, um, yeah, I mean, I saw this news come across on a break from jury duty, and it was a uh, let me let me try to put the situation for you here. Um, because I don't want to just say like, I don't want to just, uh, I'm trying to have this come across the right way. When I tell you that I laughed at the name, 
it was a very serious uh, day that was going on with a lot of harsh testimony. And so you come out and you look at your phone and you see that, you know, Legacy Motor Club is the new name. And it was just almost like a light, uh, you know, it was, seemed so light in, in a relief of tension that I like laughed. I was like, what? Legacy Motor Club? Now, I'm not saying it's a bad name. It's just like, so like, what, what is this motor club? Um, I, I just, I, I just, it, I don't get it. I don't get the club part. That's what's really, I'm really hung up on the club part. I've been hung up on it ever since like legacy racing, legacy motorsports. Okay. Yeah, I go the opposite way. Like I'm, I, I, I am act. That is the part of this. I actually I am more open. I like that teams are getting away from the racing and motorsports part of it. Like Trackhouse is kind of getting away from Trackhouse racing. It's just Trackhouse, right? And I, I like that they're kind of doing something different, and it's not just the typical thing that we always see a little bit. I, I like you though. The name definitely caught me off off guard a little bit. I've, I've warmed up to it though more. Nah, I, I'm I'm I need to get there, I guess, because Legacy Motor Club. It just sounds like one of those. Um, you know, those like pl- private tracks, like yeah. the thermal club in Palm Springs where IndyCar is going to have their preseason yeah. testing or whatever. Right. It sounds like, uh, a, a private track where like rich people can go test their fancy sports cars, um, or legacy motor club. I mean, it sounds like, you know, auto club of Southern California or whatever, like, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, a you can sign up and they'll give you roadside assistance or something. I, I just, because I haven't heard of any other, I don't know of any other race teams around motorsports that are called club. What, how do you get in the club? Like who's in the club? Is there Apparently you got to be seven time champion to be in the club, <laughs> but Richard Petty's not, uh, right. I mean, he's well, Richard Petty's a seven time champion. I know that, but he's not in the club. He's Uh-oh. the ambassador. Now he's it, Maury Gallagher is not a seven time champion. <laughs> <laughs> when you write the when you foot the bill, you can be part of any club you want. You can be in the club. Well, that's what I'm saying. So how do you get into the club? That's, I don't know. Um, anyway, like I, I get, I get it. I get that where they were going for. I just, it would just it, the club part is. I think I'm just gonna refer to it much of the year as like legacy. I think uh, that's probably what the people, most people are gonna refer to it as, or legacy MC. It's, no, it's, no, it's, no, no, no. Okay, that is no, no. I'm not. I will not be sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, legacy MC is really running well. No, All right, I am I, making I a note right one. now because from here on out on every podcast, I'm going to refer to them as legacy MC just to get a reaction. And you get the reaction right there as he smiles and rolls his eyes and throws his head back. Thank you. Where, what other initial, what other team do you say? Uh, like you, you refer to them as their, their initials. Um, I mean, except unless you're using full initials like RFK, SHR, JGR, you don't go like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even have an example. When, I, but. when, when two, te- when a team has two seven time champions underneath its umbrella, like legacy MC does, but you know, when you've got a Jimmy Johnson and a, and a Richard Petty, you know what? Legacy MC embrace it. Okay. So are you going to embrace you, I'm the- gonna get you a hat? Are you going to embrace the all caps spelling of legacy? Even though it doesn't stand for anything. I am not going journalistically. We just can't. I mean, we've got a very specific, you know, New York times style guy that we must follow. So we can't do that. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said that you're going to respect legacy MCs, uh, 
yeah, style and everything. Respect, I also respect my my paycheck and my bosses. So, <laughs> well, I'm gonna have I'm gonna be campaigning with our editor to have the style guide reflect legacy on second reference, not legacy MC. So, <laughs> feel free to write legacy MC. I'm just going with legacy. Oh. My goodness. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Kyle Larson, as you mentioned earlier, is running the Indy 500. Uh, now, he'd been t- every time you ask him about it, uh, as recently as pretty late in the season, he rolls his eyes and says, I'm working on something, you know, or, you know, I'd like to do it. You know, if the right opportunity, blah, blah, I don't think it'd be for next year. Well, it wasn't next year. It's 2024. So he's already got that, uh, or this year anyway. Um, he, you know, it's, it's a year and a half in advance essentially. Um, but they're getting a good program lined up and, um, you know, he, he's, he's Larson would only be interested in something like this. And that's, that was always the rub. Like if he could go win, like, he's not just going to be like, Oh yeah, I did the double. Like he, he believes he can win and wants to go win. Um, I wouldn't doubt him, honestly, like with his level of talent. Um, he has an open wheel background. All those dirt cars are open wheel cars. That's where the historic pipeline went to IndyCar, not NASCAR from dirt racing, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it could be very, fun. it's going to be a great storyline to see. And to me, the more Indy, the Indy 500 can get like, uh, even though, even if they're not going to, um, you know, like Fernando Alonso, uh, you know, maybe he's not going to win the race. Right. Um, but like the intrigue of him being in it, Jimmy Johnson, a lot of intrigue there. It helps the storyline helps get eyeballs. Um, and the more talent and from all sorts of racing, uh, the more talented guys that you can get there. Um, you know, I think it, it just adds credibility to the field and you go, wow, we've got, Formula One drivers here. We've got NASCAR drivers here. We've got the best of IndyCar, uh, you know, really elite group. Uh, it just adds to the intrigue and the prestige of what I think is the greatest race in the world. So it's cool to see that Larson's going to get a chance to try it. I wish Kyle Busch would also get a chance. It'd be cool to see Kyle Busch and Larson in the same race, both trying the Indy 500. Maybe, maybe there's still time. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty exciting there, I think. I echo your comments. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing for racing because I, I I do firmly believe in the, you know, high tide raises all ships and more attention on the Indy 500 is good for motorsports across the board. When you bring in different drivers from different disciplines, it, it feels special. It feels like that race matters. I think it's a great thing. I think Kyle's got a great opportunity there. I know it's much different. The, the competitiveness at the Indy 500 is much different, different than it was in 2014, but it's still Kurt Busch showed up with no background in Indy car and finished sixth and did a really great job. There's no reason to think that Kyle Larson can't show up and, and winning the race seems high in the sky, but he's a generational talent, right? Like you don't know. And Jimmy Johnson had a really good effort this year. Fernando Alonso, and again, Fernando's an incredible elite talent, but Kyle Larson's pretty damn good himself. Fernando Alonso showed up in in 17 and and maybe it was an engine failure away from winning that race. And so, and I I like the fact that this is a long way out. Like the runway to get to ramp up for 24 is so far out. You know, you can do testing. You're going to have a lot of time to get the sim. You know, you can do, 
familiarity with the car and the team. And this isn't a thing where you only have a few months to get up to speed and you kind of, it's kind of a cram session. This is an opportunity where you can kind of build up a little bit. I think that's only going to help. Yeah. Well, speaking of Larson, um, on another note, I, I did want to get your thoughts um, on the chili bowl that just concluded last night as we record this Logan CV. Is it over? I don't know. It started so late. <laughs> Good Lord. Like seriously. Well, here's the problem. I mean, they, you know, you, you start in the morning on Saturday yep. morning with, you know, the end mains or whatever it is, and you work your way up. Um, they have to redo that track. I mean, after the B mains, the, the track is not good enough to have a 55 lap a main. Um, and I guess it, you know, I, I unfortunately fell asleep too, but, um, according to the comments afterwards, it still ended up being kind of a one lane race, a one lane track. Uh, it, you know, when it, when it takes rubber like that, um, that's just how it is. Um, you know, and, and to do it right, you're going to have to have at least an hour break or whatever. And, um, you know, yeah. So it ends up, you know, starting after midnight or whatever, East coast time, uh, for a big event, you're trying to build up. Um, it's tough. I mean, I, you know, they, they've, they started now on Mondays. So you have all these days of prelims, prelim nights, and you build up to this great big event. You're trying to get sort of a casual dirt fan. You know, this year, the whole thing's on flow. That's great. Um, because I think even more NASCAR fans are trying to get flow for the short track stuff. I just renewed mine for 150, whatever dollars it is a year. Um, so I, you know, you have the subscription, you know, you're like, okay, let's, let's watch the chili bowl. But it's like, man, it's so, it's so late. Um, but I, I just don't know how, what you, what you do about it. Um, because you, you've, that's, that's dirt racing. You've got to rework the track and especially for such a long race. But I, I will say though that, you know, I brought up Larson because he and, and, uh, Christopher Bell, uh, who had hogged many of the chili bowl titles over the last, in recent years, um, you know, they, they weren't there this year. They, they sat out. Um, they said, you know, uh, really unhappy with, you know, pretty much a week long race to win 10,000 bucks. You've got sprint car races now winning, paying $1 million just to win. Uh, you know, you've got a packed house, you know, all this stuff. They, they make plenty of money off it. Chili bowl says, ah, you know, and, and there was sort of the storyline throughout the week. Wow. Well, who, who we didn't need him here, but to me as a, as sort of a more casual mm -hmm. dirt fan and an outsider dirt fan, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've covered it three times. I've covered Knoxville nationals, things like that. But like, there was definitely reduced interest for me without Larson yeah. Bell there to me. You want the best of the best. You want the best of the best to be there. You want the guys who are recognized as some of the best dirt track racers in the world, and that is what Bell and Larson are, to be there and, and to measure yourself against. And this is this is a marquee event, but when you don't bring in when you don't have the marquee talent coming in, and I and I don't disagree with their 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 stance on this. I, I'm I support that. I mean, ten thousand dollars to win considering the number of entries they have, the, the money that is flowing in to this event, there needs to be a better divide of the pie. A streaming um, deal. I mean, streaming deal, like everything. And I'm not, I'm all, I'm not saying, I just think there's a more equitable way to do this. Um, to go back to your point about the, 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 the logistics to me at this point with the number of entries they had, I mean, they were having a P, you know, they started the soup at P this year, right? Like, why can't you have, why can't you do the ABC mains on a Sunday? Like have Saturday be kind of Saturday still, and then have the, the three big 
main events or, you know, kind of the three big, the two big prelims and then the main event, have that on a Sunday. And I know it kicks it out another day, but at this point, you ha- I don't know another choice you have unless you started on Friday, which I guess that's an option, but I still think you're going to run into the problem you have. You still got the track ready and everything else. Like, this is not the first year where this event is started so late. Like, give this, give the event the proper due. Everything about this race is great. The build up, the hype, the excitement all week long. It's like a celebration. It's the kickoff to motorsports of the year. And then, oh, by the way, we don't start the, the main event that people really care about until 1 a.m. Eastern time. You can't have that. That's that's ridiculous. Well, and it's 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 sort of ironic, too, that now you see NASCAR has like really gotten behind it and embraced it. Like sure. NASCAR social was there documenting how their drivers were doing. Um, and just a few years ago, NASCAR got very upset when Larson said, Hey, like w- when he hadn't won this race yet, this, you know, to win this race to me would be bigger than Daytona 500 because it was a race he grew up going to and, and stuff like that. So personally he was saying it would be big. Na- NASCAR got so upset. You didn't really see much NASCAR support behind it. Now NASCAR is like, Hey, check out the chili bowl. Like, Whoa, look at this. We've got drivers in it. And their two biggest drivers, uh, who would be participating in it are, are not involved. So um, yeah, it's just kind of the, the timing of it. I, I really think the chili bowl would be great with, uh, I don't know about Sunday because they've already expanded it to Monday to reduce the, the length of the prelims each night. You know, they tried to take some heat off, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're getting so crowded with the number of entries. So they said, let's add an extra night so that we're not running as many cars each night. Uh, maybe we can get out of here closer to 10 30 or whatever, but you know, now it's like, I mean, if you add Sunday on top of that too, just for the mains or the big mains, uh, that's, a, I mean, that is seven days of racing. I mean, that's, I don't disagree, but I, I don't know. You've got to raise the know. purse then because yeah, I I mean, yeah, like I just, I, I get all that and I, and you, you have to raise the purse. You should raise the purse regardless. Uh, I, I just don't see a sensible solution to this because it is now so jam packed on, on Saturday where if you continue to get more entries and the entry list continues to grow, like you know, you're, you're not going to, you're going to get to a point here very, very soon where you're not, you're going to have to make some really hard decisions. You either got to move it to Friday, move some stuff to Friday, and you still got a really, really long day on Saturday. And the track for the main event is probably still not going to be in great shape. Are you divided up and, and try to make Sunday like the big blowout? Like, Hey, and I think you can sell that to a more casual fan of like, Hey, you don't want to invest all your time on a Saturday. You you can tune in on Sunday and you're going to get three great races, you know? Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice too, if they could really sell it um, and be like, Hey, um, you know, we're, we're going to like, let's say they did Sunday. Of course you're Sunday. You're going to go up against NFL playoff games. Now you are on Saturdays. You're well, going, but, you're going on Saturday yeah. night though, too. Yeah. Um, but like, if you could say, okay, Hey, we're going to do this, um, Sunday night at 7 p.m. and we will mm-hmm. rework the track. You, you'll just be able to tune in and that's what I'm see saying. Yes, race, exactly. But, like you yeah. know, like we're gonna the, the green flag is gonna fly at 7 p.m. because we're gonna have we, we're gonna time this out instead of this. Oh, it might start now. Tune in, like kind of mill about crap. Like it's just not good. Because to me, midget racing is thrilling um, as a sprint car 100%. racing. But if you people mostly don't, you know, you're not gonna go buy a huge subscription package if you're not into into it right like you have to be sort of committed already to it but if you don't know about it you're like ah it looks cool but i could probably catch the highlights on twitter like you know i don't need to watch it live because i'm not as much of a huge 
dirt racing fan, but if you, if you made the main event more accessible for people and said, Hey, like, this is what time it's going to start. Here's how to buy it, whatever, like do a one-off, I don't know, make even more money. Um, and, or, you know, sell it, sell that to, you know, a bigger broadcaster than just Mav TV or, or something. Um, and just say, Hey, like this is where it's going to be. And maybe you, maybe you make, you create more dirt fans that way who are, mm-hmm. who will then come back to your other races that you have. They have races all the time on the streaming service. So, Oh wow, this is pretty cool. I can check this out. Really? It's, mm-hmm. it's like every week and you know, many nights of the week and in some case in the summer. So, okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We got ideas. Chili Bowl promoters should call us. We well, yeah, call. but see, the thing is, they don't want to hear that. So No, they don't want to hear it. And I think that's part of the problem. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a Chili Bowl expert or a dirt expert, but I, I've talked to people about this a little bit. Like, this event has grown to such a level, it almost feels like the promoters are kind of struggling to kind of keep their hands around it a little bit and still have this idea of, hey, this is kind of a mom-and-pop race kind of feel where it's like it's gone beyond that. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Well, bookending the sort of uh, news of the week in terms of stories that you broke, another one was Travis Pastrana will run the Daytona 500 for 2311 Racing. 2311 uh, had posted a teaser, by the way, and uh, it was the back of somebody's head. And it, it I think it, if I it, maybe it didn't get to Carl Edwards trending for everybody, but it got to Carl Edwards trending on Twitter at least that I saw like the for you type stuff, because people said, is that Carl Edwards head? Is that the back of Carl Edwards head? (laughs) It was not, it was Travis Pastrana's head a little bit random. Um, although you had, you know, you had talked to him, um, a couple weeks back and, uh, you were another, another story. You did not need the teaser for this. Uh, you were, you were on top of, we were, we had this ready to go, um, for a while now. Um, I think you had heard about it maybe two or something. I don't know. This had, you know, people in the industry were talking a little bit about this and I wasn't surprised. I, I think it's cool. It kind of goes back to what we said about Indy in some ways. I, I think it's cool that Daytona is bringing in or it's going to have different guys. And I think the dual, the dual qualifier races this year are going to be tremendous. Like too often those races just kind of, they, they've kind of lost their mystique and the drama. I think this year when you've got a Jimmy Johnson and you've got, um, uh, a Travis Pastrana and you, you look at some of the, the entry list, like it, it's going to be pretty stacked and there's going to be, it's going to be competitive. And I, I'm hearing a couple things about some other teams that may be doing, you know, one-offs or anything like that. I think that's cool. And Pastrana, you know, he, he's, he, this isn't completely new. I mean, he's ran a full season Xfinity. He's ran some truck races. Um, there, there, they may not just be a Daytona component in this. Um, there may, and I've heard that there may be a few other races, you know, um, at possibly this year. And that's good. Like you're talking about somebody who brings in a lot of attention, uh, from a demographic, of fan who maybe doesn't necessarily pay attention to NASCAR. You want to get more eyeballs in your sport. This is certainly a good way to do it, man. I remember, I, I just wish that it would have worked out for him, you know, the first time, you know, he, he wanted to do like a full-time NASCAR career. I remember, um, I think it was a, it was a K and N race, um, in Phoenix. I think it was a K and N race, um, 2011. And, uh, it was like his first points paying race. Cause he had done like that Toyota all-star showdown at Irwindale that year or something. And, um, I remember I was working for SB nation at the time and I just kind of shadowed him and he was, he was doing, um, you know, 
media interviews on pit road afterwards. And there was these fans, you know, fans of his that had just come out to see him and gather along the fence and they were yelling, Travis, Travis. And he turns around. He's like, I'll be there in a couple minutes. Sure enough, after his interviews, he hops over the pit wall, across the track, goes up the crossover stairs into the stands and just starts being like, Hey, what's up everybody. And like starts signing autographs, posing for pictures. I mean, he stood there for 15 minutes. Um, you know, gave thumbs up for every picture, all this stuff. And like, mate, like I remember him waiting till everybody was done. Like he got everybody. It wasn't just like, okay, I'll do this 15 minutes and I'll leave. It was like, he, he looked around. He's like, you good? Everybody good. All right. Everybody. Thanks for coming. Like, um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm conflating this with another time, but I think he'd given somebody his shoes, even walked across the back, across the track in his socks. Like, he is so fan friendly and he gets it so much and he's so popular, um, in the motorsports world. I just think such a big plus to have him. now. Is he going to be able to win the Daytona 500? No, I don't think so. Um, is he going to be able to complete all the laps? Uh, there's a high chance he may crash out. I mean, this is not, there, there's no guarantee he's gonna be in the race to be honest with you. Uh, fair point. Fair point. Um, so, you know, but I think it's exciting. I think it's a cool storyline. And, uh, you know, I think it will get more casual fans. Certainly you go, Oh, you could say, well, Jeff, why are you, why are you praising somebody who's going to be in the race that, that might crash? I mean, um, you know, isn't that, why does that, why does that matter? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the race that might crash. (laughs) Oh, field might crash. uh, You've seen racing Daytona 500s. (laughs) You know, certainly there, there's been many less qualified, less talented drivers who get into that race or, or, get themselves in and, and crash. So um, I'm not that going to hold that against him uh, if he does, but I think it's, it's neat. That's cool. It'd be fun. Jordan, this was an interesting week for me. Um, You know, talking about racing has, has been, uh, has been nice because man, it was tough. uh, It was tough mentally being on this uh, jury trial. I'm not going to get into all that. Um, you know, but I, one thing that I, that struck out that I wanted to talk to you about was the jury deliberations because it sort of brought me back to some of the debates we have on the podcast or in NASCAR or Twitter, you know, it was interesting because we, you know, we listened to the trial for three days. We're not allowed. I wasn't allowed to talk to any of the other jurors. You know, you can't compare notes on your break. You know, I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody about it. Um, you can't Google anything, nothing, right? So I have a notion of what I think everybody else might be thinking in this case, right? And so they put us in this jury deliberation room. They say, you guys are not coming out of this room until you come up with a verdict, right? Like you're staying as a group. Like if somebody went to take a bathroom break, um, which the bathroom was like in the jury room, you couldn't even leave the jury room. Then we had to stop deliberating because everybody had to be in the debate at all times. So we start going around the table and saying what we all think. And I thought of you because I went on one of my podcast rants um, about what I I'm thought sorry. of the case. Is that, I had to laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was like, this is what I think this guy, this is why I think he's guilty. He did this, 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 this. I went through my notes. I had this whole thing. And they you know, call you angry too. No, some of the, you know, I got a lot of nodding heads. Like I could see, you know, some people were buying it and I'm like, okay, like I'm being, persuasive here and you know anybody bring up bristol dirt god i hope so (laughs) but so then we you know everybody goes around and say what they say and and we vote the first time 
and it was not 12 to zero. It was eight to four on, uh-huh. on the guilty side. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, there's four people in here who see this completely differently than I do. As strongly as I felt about it, there's four people in that see completely differently. And they weren't, they weren't like on the fence. They were like on the other side. It wasn't like, ah, uh, maybe I'd, I'd like to hear more. It was like, no, I, I think this, he's not guilty. And it was like, oh, we're going to be here for a while because on Twitter or in our debates or whatever, you're, you know, when you're talking about a NASCAR subject and you're trying to convince somebody something, oh, Bristol dirt sucks, say, right. Or, or, you know, they should change this rule. You get opinions and then people on, you know, on Twitter end up being like, they'll, they'll argue and then they'll leave the conversation or they'll block somebody or they'll just move on. Or, you know, you, you look at the other side and you can say, we're not going to be able to find common ground. So I'm just not even going to continue this conversation. Like welcome my every Sunday, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like there's so much of that. I feel like in the world and like the divisiveness, you, you look at the other side of whatever viewpoint you have about anything and you go, there's no, there's no hope here. Like we're, we're not going to be able to ever agree. Well, we didn't have a choice. We're not leaving that room until we get a consensus. So after four hours of talking about this, the other people, the four people, the holdouts end up coming around one by one um, and legitimately seeming to change their mind, change their viewpoint after hearing other arguments. And it was like, wow, I hadn't really experienced this because, you know, (laughs) I'm not saying with, not with you, but like just in, all the, all the debates I know are like NASCAR debates or whatever. Right. So like people are either one side or the other and you have your viewpoint about whatever's going on and that's it. Um, so it was really eye opening for me to see, like, if you keep trying to find the common ground, what you do agree on and then build off that and then use consensus and logic and, um, you know, consensus building kind of stuff, whatever, Um, there is a point where you can, you know, you can, you can reach, uh, agreement on something. So long story short, I guess, uh, let's, I'm going to continue my campaign against Bristol dirt. Okay. So that was my question. (laughs) Are you coming to Bristol on Easter weekend? (laughs) That was actually not my original point. Open your mind, Jeff. Come see it from a different perspective. Come see it from a different viewpoint. (laughs) I appreciate that. No, no, uh, that wasn't going to be my original point. I was just, but it was interesting. It'd be great. We'll spend Easter together. It'd be great. But I, I might, I might be approaching some debates differently this year because I think, Oh, that's so cute. You think so? Well, you know, what was interesting is I had to change my, um, at my, my rant did not work. Right. Like shock. My rant spoke to the people that already agreed with me, but it didn't, <laughs> It didn't change any of the minds. Of Did people. you try Did... rapping to your point, maybe in the jury room? Maybe <laughs> yeah, you would tried rapping. You might've done be better. A, appropriate for that situation. Trust me. But, um, I think what, I'm sorry. what was effective was reasonable, um, you know, questioning of things, not talking, you know, like this is how I feel. And this is the only way to feel. It was like exploring somebody else's viewpoint and very gently, you know, not overdoing it, not coming off too strong because that was, that was not working with those people, the holdouts, right? Like they were yeah. like, 
the more people in the jury room tried to be like, how can you not see this kind of thing? That doesn't convince somebody that only pushes somebody further toward their point. You know what I'm saying? Like they only go, well, they're, they're, they're just an idiot or they're just, you know, so the way to convince people was to say, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I could see that a little bit, you know, and, and why do you feel that, you know, um, anyway, that, that part was really jumped out at me and I wanted to talk about that on the podcast. Cause I thought that was just a, a fascinating exercise, sort of like you did not have a choice and you had to, you had to settle on something. So this is going to last for like two weeks and then I'm going, you're going to go back to the mad terrorist ranting and raving crazy man, you know, writing raps kind of thing. This won't even last till the next episode. I'm just telling you something that I could (laughs) potentially could have learned, but, uh, my, my guess is we don't get through, uh, I say Fontana third, you know, so three races into the season before like you, you've gone back the other way. Oh, it's not gonna, I'm telling you, it won't, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying I'm going to change my ways. Of course. Uh, Why would you, why would you want to take a more nuanced measured approach to life when you can raise your blood pressure and your, your fit, your face turns to like seven different chains of red. Well, if, if those people didn't come around, that was going to probably be the end result. Cause I was just like, how can you not see this? Should have wrote a rap. I'm how did you. we listen to the same stuff for three days of taking notes and you guys didn't feel this way? Like what? Um, no, but everybody, you know, people see the world differently. People see things differently. So that's, it was interesting. It was very interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess that's all I, all I have for now. Um, we'll be back. Well, gosh, I mean, the clash is only what? Three more weeks. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. It's wild. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be at races in no time. So yeah, we'll both be in LA. It'll be fun. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Coming up real fast. Um, and we're continuing to, uh, write some preseason stuff in the meantime. Um, you, do you want to tease our, our off season project more? Should we tell them what we're working on or you don't want to do that yet? I think we've teased it. We teased it a little bit last week. We teased it this week. I think we're, I think we're good. I don't want to, let's not, let's not give it away completely yet. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get Fair further enough. down the road with it first. Okay. All right. <laughs> we have something cool coming. We think so. Yeah. We celebrate we- NASCAR 75th anniversary in a very cool way. We, we, we're, we're, we're trying, we're trying to do something cool. Um, all right. Well, everybody, uh, of course, thanks so much for listening. Um, Jordan, thanks for your time as always. And congrats on a great week, uh, of, of news breaking and thanks for, uh, picking up the slack and hopefully I'll try to return to form here. Uh, now that I'm out on jury duty. Glad you're uh, back, bud. Thank you. Everybody have a great week. We will talk to you next time on the Terror.